Hi, my name's Lisa, and I'd just like to welcome you to Raising Our Voices. Today we're going to be talking about social justice, and I'm going to be um, talking with Paul Ramcharan and Russell Solomon. Hello. Paul here. Hi there, Russell. Um, hi. Um, what exactly is social justice? Um, social justice is about the distribution of wealth, opportunities, and privileges, and it's based on the idea that each human being is of the same value, therefore should be equally valued. As such, it's about equality of wealth, opportunities and privileges. I could just add to that that there are responsibilities both in terms of social justice, particularly in terms of government, to intervene to ensure that there is real equality uh, of access, real equality of opportunities, uh, and and from that uh, uh, people are uh, treated in in a just and fair way but also the responsibilities from people to each other to ensure that uh, uh, people are, uh, are treated in a just and fair way. What are the conditions required for social justice to exist? Um, that is a very, very complex question and there's no easy answer and it depends on the view of social justice uh, that one actually takes. Um, If we look at the governmental view, it would be that the government recognises that there are inequalities and that in recognising that that's the case, um, establish some mechanism to ensure that there is more of an equal set of outcomes for each person. Since it is that role in government, it, it means that the government has a duty and the people then have a responsibility to vote for that government on the basis of their position and they have a duty then to follow the government's lead to actually obey the laws of the land. So in that sense it is sort of a social contract between government and the people. But that's uh, a very top-down view. It's a view of the power of government uh, and over its people. Another view would be to say that people themselves have a responsibility to try to effect change by raising their voices. And this is the view which sees social justice as being born out of the actions of people who recognise a degree of similarity of disadvantage and who come forward to speak up on behalf of that group so as to change their situation. And it's only by that voice being heard that that situation changes. So if we then ask the question, what conditions are required for social justice? We might say in the former, in the government view, that it is important to measure inequality in some way. So, for example, you will see something like bridging the gap, closing the gap, my apologies, for the indigenous population, pointing to inequalities of health in housing and so forth. And that becomes a focus then for change and for policies of for, for change. Uh, in the other view, you might have um, people who see themselves being disadvantaged because of their position in society, for example, disability groups, coming together around the issues that they face in their lives which might not otherwise be seen because there is often a gap between government and the people, a gap between government's view and people's experiences. And so those groups come together in a a tier between government and the people, largely the third sector, the non-governmental organisations, in order to force for change. Those are two ways in which conditions can be set to actually seek and effect change. A third, which is associated with that second, is that there are social movements which come together 
to protest about issues in society and do so in order to get their voices heard. So in terms of the title of today's um, session, which repeats itself, it is important for voices to be heard. I'd agree with what Paul's saying and probably just add that, in fact, we could look in terms of uh, our responsibilities, our personal responsibilities to uh, all of those who we deal with, but also our responsibilities as members of society and also as uh, 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 to our to our government is, is to ensure that government uses what we might call its infrastructure power to assist in uh, nurturing and promoting those conditions for social justice and uh, and limit, if you like, what we might have otherwise called its coercive powers. So see, see the state as a, in a positive way and, and seek to encourage the state to assist uh, to ensure that those conditions for social justice exist. How does personal responsibility fit into the notion of social justice? Well, I think we've probably alluded to that already. Um, if you take the model, which is a top-down model, then the responsibility of the citizen is to ensure that they um, do as the government um, dictates in terms of its laws and its policies. Um, and it does so because it is elected that government to represent them. Therefore, in doing so, uh, seemingly agrees with the way in which the government is distributing the wealth amongst its people. Because we mustn't forget that one of government's roles is to ensure that it looks after the public good against private interests, that, that greed doesn't uh, in itself trump everything. So it's really important in that model to see responsibility as being in voting, for which government will distribute better, more fairly, and also um, then on the basis of what is uh, legally just to pursue those as well. Uh, in terms of the other aspect, the hearing the voices aspect, I think we need to be more aware um, to have a conscience, not just about ourselves, but about society as, it, as a whole. So, for example, we see that in countries where uh, there is a greater quality of life or well-being, on all indicators, that those countries tend to be the ones where there is less differential between those who are rich and those who are poor, those who understand distributive justice, those that have strong welfare systems, those that recognise that pe people who are most vulnerable are the most important to support and to include in our societies. So understanding that leads to a sense of conscience about how we should act together to ensure that we produce a more just society and, as a result of that, a better society for us all. I'd only just add to that that in terms of people's uh, personal responsibility, we have a responsibility as members of society to ensure that we recognise people's capabilities and that we uh, do what we can as individual members of society and, and put pressure where we can in order to uh, enable people to use their capabilities to the fullest. In other words, to see our, our fellow uh, uh, human beings in uh, trying to reach their fullest potential. I think it's also um, difficult sometimes because there are many contradictions in all of the ideas and concepts that we've got. Let's just consider the idea of um, equality of opportunity for one moment. It all sounds very good. But let's consider that we have um, two lawyers, you know, they're earning $300,000 a year between them, 
and we have people with disability on welfare who are earning um, less than 20,000. Now, if you consider the opportunity that's, that would be available to the children of those two couples, um, you may find that those opportunities are vastly different. You may also find that those opportunities are transferred over generations so that what is effectively good for the parents is good for the children. You might also find that the opportunities produce um, different education and different merit. So um, in some ways, equality of opportunity actually produces difference. It produces division. So we have to be very careful in a system which is based only on equality of opportunity that that idea of merit is not just based on economic good. The idea of capabilities is that people live full and fulfilled lives, and given that diversity, that we understand that it's really important to support people to struggle with life, because that's the meaning of life, struggling with making a life for ourselves, which we find full and enriching. Now let's have a little break. This is Raising Our Voices, and we'll be back soon. Are your energy bills too high? Are you having trouble paying them or understanding what they mean? Tried to save money by changing your energy provider but found it all too complex? You can find help at the Victorian government's new Energy Info Hub. The hub is a website that contains simple, useful information in several languages to make sure you make the best decisions possible about your energy use. Targeted information for ethnically diverse and disabled energy consumers is available at the hub, as well as telephone and Email advice services run by the Alternative Technology Association. If you're having trouble with your energy bills and want some advice, go to energyinfohub.org.au or contact the helpful staff at the Alternative Technology Association on 9631 5427 or at energy did you know most of Gippsland and southwest Victoria are covered in licences for unconventional gas and coal exploration? Gas companies are trying very hard to get their hands on Victoria's precious farmlands. Are we going to let them? No. It's time to declare Victoria gas field free. The state government has launched another inquiry but won't commit to permanently protecting Victoria. So come and rally with the Lock the Gate movement and stand with the 64 gas-field-free communities on the steps of the State Library on Sunday, September 20th at 12 noon. Information? Quitcall.org.au Friends of the Earth is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Raising Our Voices on 3CR. We would like to believe we are a socially just society, um, but we also justify enormous inequalities. Are we letting ourselves off easy, or is inequality inevitable? In in terms of uh, the inequalities in society, the problem in 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 terms of inequality in society is that we often mask that inequality. 
uh, we uh, dress it up, and as Paul was just talking about, equality of opportunity is is often uh, used as a mask, and we don't realise that, or we don't want to realise that, in fact, it is it is a mask that there isn't substantive equality. Yes, we probably are letting ourselves off a bit easy uh, if we use terminology that effectively doesn't recognise that people uh, are not beginning having the same starting point uh, in terms of their resources. And the the example that Paul used is a, is a good one there, where in fact there there are uh, differences. So in fact, uh, it is important that we have. Um, what we might call uh, positive discrimination or affirmative action programs to to assist people to ensure that there is uh, a level of support to try and get people to as close as possible to this a similar starting point. Yeah. Um, inequality is inevitable, um, and it obviously de- depends on how you define inequality. So, effectively. It is a constant battle. The constant battle that we will find is one in which we have to pursue a cause, and that cause should be for establishing the conditions in which people can produce the best lives that are possible. Now, in producing the best lives that are possible, they may actually be producing lives that are quite different from each other, but equal in the intention of producing a good life. So it's really important to understand what a good life actually is. That depends very much on our concerns about what represents the minimum possible standard that is required for people to live a good life. So in terms of the UN, for example, there are a series of economic, social and cultural rights And those rights are specified around housing, around health, around social aspects of life, inclusion, and so on and so forth. Now, if we are going to meet those, then there has to be some measure of how we do so. The UN, recognizing that these are not rights that are easily recognizable to be infringed. For example, how do you say when housing is bad? Can you compare housing here with housing in an underdeveloped country? Um, How do you make a decision about that? So the way the UN resolves this is within each state and suggests that there has to be a progressive realisation. That is, things need to change for the better over time. So from the point of view of the United Nations, then, we are looking to economic, social and cultural rights changing for the better over time, and that's a really important aspect. The secondary aspect of that is, again, placing the issues of inequity in the public domain. If people don't understand and hear the stories, if they don't see the disadvantage, if they don't understand that those things exist, then their view about what to vote for, their view on what equity is, will not change. Now that is, at every point in time, that is going to be something that is relative to the time. It's not an absolute and therefore it has to be an ongoing battle. So, for example, at the moment, when you see um, the the government reducing um, the uh, amount of funding for overseas aid, you can see that they're taking a decision about how they support people who are uh, in difficult circumstances. When you see um, this weekend's report that um, federal funding is not going to allow um, community legal centres to... Um, either get involved in any advocacy or any law reform, you begin to ask yourself questions about 
why is this voice being muted? So there are many things that government does to try to make this voice smaller. They can take away funding, and they can actually legislate to stop organizations, and they can give funding on the basis that people don't speak out. All of those things need to be recognized because they are all the things that prevent us from actually engaging in that fight and putting things on the agenda to be heard so that people can make their own decisions and judgments. So it's an ongoing battle, not just a one-off absolute outcome. People crave fairness, but and the law isn't always fair. How socially just is our legal system? Uh, a difficult question in, in a sense, but, but, but also in another sense quite an easy uh, question because our, our legal system isn't really socially just. Uh, there have been serious problems, and Paul alluded to one a moment ago, in terms of the community legal centres uh, and uh, the way uh, and, and ways in which government has uh, constrained their funding. the The problem is in terms of, uh, um, uh, if you like, financial access to the system, uh, and also in terms of how we change the system in order to allow for. Uh, increased uh, uh, alternative dispute resolution and mediation, uh, if you like, so people can have uh, their uh, disputes resolved uh, at a a cheaper or at no cost at all. Importantly, the Productivity Commission recently, and the Productivity Commission is what we might classify as a neoliberal or market-based institution in terms of its broader philosophy, it came out recently with a report in terms of access uh, uh, to uh, the law and then access to justice uh, and was quite critical of uh, um, the lack of support uh, for uh, a range of areas and, and made it very clear that people need to uh, identify uh, or people don't, don't often identify that they have a particular legal need and don't identify uh, that, uh, the, uh, that there is a way in which they can get it, get it resolved uh, uh, in an affordable way. Importantly, um, the Productivity Commission said that uh, in, in a range of with what we might call civil law areas, these are areas that isn't criminal and not family, but other matters where there are there are particular uh, legal issues, but people don't often identify them as legal issues, but there actually isn't sufficient support. Uh, that is financial support for people to be represented. Uh, certainly, um, the... Um, encouragement and uh, uh, increase in uh, alternative dispute resolution, mediation, if you like, uh, is is welcome. But there are going to be op- uh, going to be times where uh, people need the opportunity to have a matter litigated, to go to the court, to be represented by lawyers, and access to legal representation is still very expensive, uh, uh, very tight targeting, uh, as well as in terms of social people's socio-economic uh, position, and in terms of particular areas of legal need, has meant a lot of people. Uh, if you like, uh, um, uh, do not get, uh, cannot afford the legal representation that they need. Uh, so the problem, we would say in a, in a general sense that uh, the legal system is not keeping up with the need of people to have their matters uh, dealt with either um, by uh, of some form of alternative dispute resolution or by um, the uh, the courts. Importantly, uh, people don't often recognise that their problem is a legal issue and it does require that level of intervention.
had. Um, yeah, and uh, just um, thinking about the ideas of what is legal and the last point that Russell's just talked about, um, it's important to realise as well that uh, a significant minority of things that are illegal actually come to the attention of uh, the courts or the legal system, that for many people who are disadvantaged, that their voice is not strong enough. They've had bad experiences in the past and won't complain again. The power of those who are supporting them is too great, and they can't speak out, and we've seen this in the um, recent Royal Commission on Abuse. So there are issues in people's everyday lives, particularly when they are in situations of disadvantage, where they are more vulnerable. That vulnerability is often exploited, and it doesn't come to the attention of the law. So as well as the issues of access and the issues of being able to afford it and the issues of disadvantaged um, experiences in the criminal justice system. They also have problems, I think, some people, in bringing those issues in their lives to the attention of courts to seek that form of solution. How does it all fit into a just society when the socially unjust are excused by society's pragmatic or monetary needs and values? Well, I think each person has to be free to pursue their lives as they please. Um, and because of this, um, it is necessary to recognise that the government is an important factor in balancing the interests of the public against the private interests of the individual. That is the government's role. So it is exceptionally important to recognise that we will always have people who operate from a position of greed and whose interest will not be the public good. Therefore, we do need organisations there which can actually be on the boundary, police that issue. But from a point of view of um, personal conscience, if we can place the voice of people who are disadvantaged into the public domain, if we can hear people's experiences, if we can see what happens to them, if we can understand that this is a type of experience which none of us would put up with easily, then we will begin to see that we share things about what it is to have a common humanity. And that conscience is what we will pursue in terms of ensuring that anything that is socially unjust is actually addressed. Um, I mean, we have more to fear um, from those who are greedy, uh, from the rich who avoid taxes, than we do from the few at Centrelink who abuse the system. There's far more lost to our community mm -hmm. from the rich than there is from the poor. So my answer would be that we should have values in ourselves that recognise that redistribution is important and social justice is the outcome. And I just add one point there where often it, there's a, a false um, dichotomy, if you like, play, uh, set up uh, between, um, if you like, enhancing monetary needs, uh, in, increasing uh, wealth and issues of social justice, where in fact... If we looked at even the, the recent uh, situation with the uh, huge influx of, of refugees into Europe, uh, you will notice that, in fact, the, one of the strongest arguments 
uh, from governments, uh, those governments that are, are, are showing a humanitarian view, is, is that being socially just, treating people the way you'd want to be treated yourself, is actually has the bonus, if you like, that it also has, will, will enhance uh, the economic wealth of, of the society as well but because of the nature of, of bringing people in, giving them opportunities. So instead of being this uh, social justice versus market uh, wealth enhancement, you could actually see that both work together very well. If we are totally honest, is social, is social justice in all its facets really possible? The, my, my quick answer is yes. I, I see social justice as an ongoing political project uh, and therefore, and, and wearing my optimist hat, I would say yes, it, it, is, it is possible and it's something you strive for. It doesn't mean you're going to achieve it tomorrow, uh, but you need to uh, uh, work on it. And I guess uh, if you reflect... On, on, on some things that Paul's also said in terms of uh, individuals' responsibilities. We have responsibilities in terms of how we act and also in terms of, of, of uh, towards government uh, and what we expect of government. And we should uh, see it as a, if you like, an ongoing political project because it's often about the distribution of resources uh, and about the levels of support that people need in order to, for them to, to lead the good life if you like. And so we also look for government to, to play that, that public role as well through its laws and its policies uh, to provide the, the levels of assistance where otherwise they might not be, but also at the same time for people uh, to come together, uh, whether they be advocating for themselves or, or advocating for others in order to, uh, uh, to, if you like, fight the good fight uh, to keep social justice in the forefront of everyone's minds. Um, I, I would concur um, with what Russell says. Um, it is effectively a constant battle. Um, if we think about what social justice is about, it is about inequality. And if we accept that there always is going to be some form of inequality, then there always have to be voices speaking up about closing that gap. So it is an ongoing um, sort of political issue and it's not one that's going to go away but we also I think need to think overall about the level at which um, social justice is realized within the society as a whole I think um, over the last 30 or 40 years with the um, power for example of the corporate sector that you can see that there's much more leverage on government by those groups than there is by NGOs. If you look at the amount of money that is committed in lobbying by the corporate sector, were NGOs to be funded to the same level, we would have a lot more leverage on government. So the voice of certain parts of our community are being heard a lot more clearly than other parts. And we can see that there is a reduction under this government of the funding to NGOs and the third sector, and a quite systematic uh, attempt to lessen the voices of protest in many different spheres. So we have a duty not just to talk about what that social justice actually is, but to actually seek to affect the political landscape, the ways in which the different voices come to be heard, and the strength of those voices. So there are two parts to that ongoing struggle 
and both of them I think are really important. Um, thank you very much, Paul Russell. Thank you very much. You've brought a lot of clarification to a lot of issues for me. Um, and thank you to Raising Our Voices. And please come with us to our next session. Thanks very much indeed, uh, Lisa. I think the title of your um, program is uh, exemplary. I just endorse what Paul's, Paul said. I think it is, is a really apt phrase. Thanks for listening to Raising Our Voices. Up next, Tamil Voices. Hi, Ivan Hexter here. When the community battle against East West Link started with drilling behind my house, I took my camera out. 60 hours of footage later, I need your help to tell this community story. The sheer arrogance of a government trying to foist a multi-billion dollar project on us. Tunnel Vision, the story of right beating might. Donate to the Tunnel Vision crowdfunding campaign to be part of the Tunnel Vision project. www.chuffed.org That's www.chuffed.org Then look for Tunnel Vision. Be part of Tunnel Vision, the real story of the East-West Link. If the person in front of you has got a belt on, hold on to the belt in front of you. Tunnel Vision is a 3CR supporter.